This is The Art of Being You, and I'm Rachel Wortman. This podcast brings you inspiration, insights, and practical tools to help you become more like Jesus. Get ready to embrace who God has created you to be. I've got a great episode in store for you today, so without further ado, here is The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to The Art of Being You. I am so thankful to have you here with us again this week. And, you know, if you missed last week's episode, uh, you probably noticed that we have some new theme music and I'm pretty pumped about it. So let me know what you think. You can send me an email, send me a DM or something like that on social media. Oh, I forgot to tell you guys, I joined TikTok and I have a whopping like 75 followers or something like that. And so uh, come find me there. If you're on TikTok, come find me. It's at the Rachel Wartman and um, love to connect with you on there. I'm still trying to figure it out. I feel old. You know, TikTok is the first thing in my life that has made me feel old. Um, and that's okay. I'm I'm trying to to adjust to where the future is headed. So, um, yeah, if you're not on the email list already, go ahead and grab that. You can go to rachelwartman.com and be on the email list. Because why? Well, because the email goes direct to your inbox and you're not going to miss anything. I send them out at max twice a month. I'm like you. I don't like email, so I'm not going to flood your box with a whole bunch of stuff. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty low key email, but it's designed for you to get content straight to your inbox and you don't have to worry about all the algorithms of how Instagram has decided what to promote and what to squash. Same with TikTok, same with Facebook. The email is the best way to really just have a a good connection. All right, you guys. So today we're diving into a doozy of an episode, and I cannot wait to hear what you guys think. Um, And seriously, this is one that I really would love your feedback on. Uh, We're talking today about five reasons why people might not like you, why people don't like you. And let me just tell you, it's not going to be all five. Okay, so this is not like a let's all feel bad about ourselves. Go back and listen to last week, you know, have some breakthrough from any type of self-hate that's going on. But no, we're talking about five different reasons why somebody might not like you. And, you know, I am finding in this season of my life that uh, I, I know people who don't like me. You know, and I'm sure it's been that way forever. I think it's true for everyone. I love this quote. You can be the best peach on the planet and there will still be people who don't like peaches. It's just a fact of life, right? You're not going to um, to be liked by every person in your life. And honestly, it's okay. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But the hard part is when we believe somewhere in our mind that surely we can get everybody to like us, then we go kind of crazy when people don't. So I want to give you five reasons why somebody might not like you so you can help figure out if you're dealing with this, why they might not like you, and you can honestly move on. That's what this podcast is really all about is to help you have the closure you need so that you can move on. Because what I know to be true is for most of us, when we find out that somebody doesn't like us, that person lives rent free in our mind for way too long, right? It's like they are, we think about them all the time. We think about, well, why don't they like us? Sometimes we think about, well, how can I prove to them that I'm not like whatever it is that they think? And let me just tell you, you don't need to do that. Okay. You don't. Okay, if it's a family member, it might be a little bit harder to just, you know, cut them out of your life. That's not what I'm suggesting. But hopefully this will help you. Okay, so let's dive into it. Let's get into these top five reasons why people don't like you or why they might not like you. Number one, and this is in no particular order. So really, if I was building, I'd probably pick this one as the last. But number one, you represent something that they don't have, something they want, but they don't have. So think about this. 
jealousy is pretty difficult feeling to live with, right? And so usually when we feel jealous, the next step is to cut down whatever it is that we are actually wanting. We cut it down so that it doesn't seem as appealing. And that way we don't feel that like feeling of want anymore, right? So the number one reason or number one reason is you represent something that they want that they don't have. Well, what could that be like? Well, maybe it's your confidence. Maybe you, maybe it's your faith, right? Maybe you have this devotion to the Lord and from the out, maybe you're thinking you struggle, but from the outside, they're thinking you've got it all together because you spend time with Jesus regularly or whatever. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's your job title or your title at the church. Maybe it's a family dynamic thing, right? Maybe you're, they're single and you're married and they want that or vice versa. Maybe they're married and they wish they were single, A lot of the time when people don't like you, there's something that you represent that they want, but they can't have. And it's a defense mechanism in them to cut you down so that they don't feel that gaping loss when they're around you. Should they feel that loss? I mean, obviously not, but it does happen. All right, let's move on to number two. This one is pretty big, especially in this day and age. Your worldviews are fundamentally different than theirs, and they are unwilling to see your view or you're unwilling to see their view might count as well. Sometimes we interact with people and we just can't stand them because they will not allow themselves to think even for a moment about where you're coming from. In my life, I kind of have a general rule. I don't need you to agree with everything, but I do need you to acknowledge that it's okay for me to have some of the beliefs that I have, right? If we're going to be in relationship together and you are just absolutely unwilling to acknowledge that my perspective is valid to me, that's a deal breaker for me, you know? And we experience this politically so much right now, but it's beyond political. It's it's in a lot of different things where it's like fundamentally your worldview is so whatever it is, so solid in, in what it is, and they will not consider for a moment what you're com- where you're coming from. I had somebody say to me once, uh, you know, I think you just have some, you, I think you think you have some hotline to the Holy Spirit that I don't have. And I remember thinking, what are you even saying, (laughs) you know? And I'm like, can we just agree that we can approach the Holy Spirit differently and that that's okay? And you give me permission to be on my journey and I give you permission to be on your journey. And if somebody can't do that, which in this case they could, but when they can't do that, that has to be a deal breaker, right? Because that's just a recipe for friction. Number three, your anointing irritates their strongholds. Okay, you've probably heard that quote. You're, my anointing irritates your demons. I'm not calling them demons because they're not always demons. Strongholds are not just demonic spirits inside of someone afflicting them, right? Demonic things can be in multiple forms, not always possessing. And one of the things that happens is when somebody has a stronghold on the ways of the flesh or on the ways of the kingdom of darkness then your anointing, when you are a Holy Spirit-filled anointed person, it's going to irritate that, guys. It just is. It just is. I'm going to come back to this one in a little bit. Number four, you remind them of somebody. Ooh, guys, pay attention to this one. Number four reason somebody might not like you, you remind them of somebody who's hurt them in the past and their walls are immediately up. This is a tough one, right? Because I think if we're honest with ourselves, we all do this to people. 
We all do. I remember meeting somebody, um, like slight trigger warning. So I grew up, uh, when I was a little kid, I was actually molested, sexually molested by a neighbor in my neighborhood for several years, uh, who was my age, a couple years older than me. And, um, and she had a very specific personality that was really dominating. And I remember years ago, uh, I was at church and somebody came, started coming to our church who had this same personality. And, you know, I don't think I'd met somebody in a really long time that was like that. And it was a huge triggering experience for me. It was like my walls went straight up to the moon and I thought I will never even stand near this person. And I couldn't figure out at at first why I was so bothered by them. And the more I thought about it, because I'm the kind of person who's going to think about it, right? Not everybody does. Some people just walls up and they move on. But I'm the kind of person who's going to think about it. And the more I thought about it, I thought, oh my gosh, this person reminds me of that person. And I automatically feel so vulnerable. I feel so unsafe. I feel like I'm going to be hurt. And, uh, and it was a really difficult thing for me to work through. In fact, I never was really able to let this person truly into my inner circle because of that. Um, even though I wanted to, it's just, that's a real thing. So sometimes people don't like you have no fault of your own, just a fault of somebody else. Right. And that one, you got to let go. You can't hold that over yourself because, uh, that's a tough one. Number five, and then we're going to circle back to number three, number five, they were misinformed about who you are because of gossip, slander, or rumors, things like that. (laughs) Y'all, the church world is notorious for this kind of a thing. I can't tell you, there's a couple of years ago, there was some crazy rumors going around about me. Uh, One of them, which I still to this day cannot understand, is like the bold-faced lie kind of thing. They had said, uh, this person was telling people that I said, that you could not be following Jesus if you had really short hair. That like, it, <laughs> you guys, it's so crazy. But they were like, yeah, uh, she told me that because my hair is short, that I like needed to grow it out because, and I'm like thinking, number one, I never said that. Number two, I never would say that. And number three, I actually have had a pixie cut on and off most of my adult life. So if you scroll back on my Instagram, you're going to see me with like real short hair. In fact, when I was uh, dating Grant, right before I started dating Grant, I had gone the Halle Berry hairstyle back in the early 2000s. So I'm thinking I would never even say that, right? And so then other people had this opinion about me because that was completely wrong because this person was telling everybody that I think God hates short hair. And let me just tell you, I don't believe God hates short hair. In fact, I think he really liked my pixie cut. All right. So I'm sure by now you're figuring out all of these are things that I've experienced in my personal life. Um, So you might have more to the list to add and send me a message of that as well. But here's, here's what I want to talk about on this one. You know, one of the reasons why gossip is such a big deal is because it does sour someone else's mind about a person before they have a chance to discover it for themselves. And I think in the church, we don't talk about gossip enough, even though the Bible talks about gossip quite a bit. And so because we don't talk about it, we don't really understand what it is, right? So for those of you that are like me and you're an external processor, when somebody starts to talk about gossip, it's like, oh gosh, I am going to die. Because if I can never talk about my feelings about something, it becomes dark like real fast. 
all the external processors in the room, just give me a, a virtual high five right now as you're listening to this, because here's the reality. We think by talking. That's how it works. And there are millions of us out there, right? And so sometimes when the internal processors do the talking about gossip, the external processes are like, I, I don't, I, I, I don't, <laughs> I can't, I don't know what you're saying. So I want to be really clear about what gossip is. Gossip is the intention to make someone look bad or the intention to position yourself as superior to them. So when we gossip about somebody, always in the motivation, it's because we are like wanting to throw a little shade or some shame on them. Like, can you believe they did this? Or we are wanting to make them look bad to somebody else before that person has a chance to formulate their own opinion. So this is really important because motives drive everything that we do, right? And we all love to be judged by our motives, not our actions, but we all love to judge other people by their actions and forget that they had motives in there as well. So is it okay to say, you know, you have dangerous information about somebody who is a dangerous person and you think other people should know they're a dangerous person? Can you talk about that? Well, actually, there are biblical guidelines of how to do that. You can read Matthew 18 uh, is one of the chapters that talks about this. There's some other scriptures as well. In fact, if it gets real bad, Paul actually says, get up on a Sunday morning, essentially, and tell the whole church what this person did so that people can be protected. I don't know many churches in America who could do that with the love and the grace of God, um, but, but it is in the Bible. So when we talk about not gossiping, we're certainly not saying that you can't, you know, vent to your husband or to a trusted person about something that's going on in your life. But I want to give you a key. This is a pro tip about life. And if you will believe this, your life will get so much better. Here it is. Nothing is ever truly confidential. Nothing is ever truly confidential. I used to believe that like I could have trusted friends who would, um, you know, keep my secrets and I could be honest with them. And you know what? Other people would find out and I would sit there and think, oh, man, I told you that in confidence. And here's the reality. A wise woman said to me, someone much older than me said, look, the sooner you learn this, the better off you're going to be. That if it's truly confidential, then like you have to be extremely careful about how you talk about this. And I'm like, wow, you know, and so when somebody confides in me something that's confidential, man, I take that to the bank, right? And I am very careful. And usually I'll ask them, is it okay if I tell my husband? And there are some things I'm not allowed to tell my husband because they don't want anybody else to know. They just need a pastoral person to walk them through something, right? So that's kind of the difference between gossip and slander, obviously, and rumors and all this kind of stuff. Like we have to pay attention that if we are just upset with somebody, then let's just own it, right? Let's not cast that person in such a bad light because we are upset with them as if they're going to make that same, you know, judgment call with every single person that they talk to. Does that make sense? Like I think, okay, we had a bad interaction. Fine, right? You, you are absolutely okay to not like me, but to assume that I will always have a bad interaction with every single person that I meet ever. And therefore it is your job to tell every person in this entire town what that interaction might be. It's like, well, hold on a minute, right? That's definitely not what the Bible is saying to do. Okay, so hopefully that's helpful for you guys. I wanted to be clear on that because I know that for a lot of us, we struggle with the idea of gossip. Let's go back to number three. Let me do a quick recap. We'll go back to number three. Five reasons why. Number one, you represent something they want, but they don't have. Number two, your worldviews are fundamentally different than theirs. And one or you, one of you is unwilling to see from the other perspective. 
Number three, your anointing irritates their strongholds. Number four, you remind them of somebody who's hurt them in the past and their walls are just up. And number five, they were misinformed about you by gossip, slander, or rumors, things like that. So let me just say a couple quick more thoughts about number three before we wrap this up and talk about what do you do if you're discovering that one of more of these applies to you. Your anointing irritates their strongholds. So when you are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, and what I mean by that is you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you are living a life of purpose, right? So we can define the power of the Holy Spirit a bunch of different ways, and I would probably uh, agree with some and disagree with some, and I think that's we would all have that same feeling. So when I'm talking about when you're walking with the Holy Spirit, I'm talking that you are on mission. You are like, see yourself as an ambassador of Christ. You are careful about how you live your life, right? You're paying attention to the fact that you are following Jesus. And that's going to irritate some people. Why? Well, number one, it's my personal belief that people who are following Jesus truly are the least controllable people that there are. We are the least controllable because we don't answer to people, right? We answer to God. Of course, yes, there's healthy wisdom and counsel and pastoral structures and all of that. But ultimately, we all know we're going to stand before Jesus, which means that when somebody wants me to do something that doesn't, you know, go with that, I don't really feel like I need to, (laughs) right? I'm going to answer to Jesus in his way. And when we have a collective and a a nation and across the world, a people who are committed to Christ first, we're just not very controllable. And that is incredibly irritating to the demonic world because all the demonic world wants to do is to control you. Now, I just want to say this really clearly. There's only two options of the kingdom in the world. There's the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of darkness. There's no gray area in between. So you heard me say earlier, if it comes from the flesh or if it comes from the kingdom of darkness, the flesh comes from the kingdom of darkness. It just does. But I think for our purposes, sometimes it's difficult for us to think about how, you know, in our own life, our flesh might be inspired by demonic activity around us, even though it is. What do I mean by that? Is that a demon, you know, pulling strings on you? No, 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 no. That's not how it works. The principalities, the role, the ruling spirits and the ways of the world are all demonically inspired pieces of information to get you to live contrary to how the Holy Spirit wants you to live. Why? Because the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And the enemy knows that and his days are numbered. And so he does not want God to have reign over the earth any longer or any more than, you know, if he can help it. So what happens is when we're walking with the Holy Spirit, sometimes just the nature of that becomes an irritation. So think about it like Jesus for a second. So Jesus has... um, this ability, right? He says, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. What does he mean? Is he trying to like hack off everybody's ear? Obviously not, right? So what is he talking about? I'm bringing a sword and yet he's telling Peter, don't use a sword. Well, he's saying the fundamental nature of who he is as God, right? That Jesus is the highest authority that there is. When the highest authority walks in the room, the people who are doing the wrong thing get frustrated, they get, they feel the conviction. They feel irritated. They feel, fr- you know what I'm saying? They feel frustrated. And so this is what happens sometimes with Jesus. I, over the summer, I was uh, experiencing a little bit of this and I was talking to the Lord and I said, God, I'm like, I'm exhausted. 
I'm exhausted about people who are frustrated with me. And here I am. I'm just trying to love you, Lord, right? I'm just trying to, to preach your word. I'm trying to, to do the things that you're asking me to do. And it's irritating people. And I said, and it's frustrating because I'm not going to change that, you know? And he said to me, you guys will love this. He said, yeah, I hear you. Um, but nobody's trying to murder you yet. So you got a long way to go. <laughs> I thought, oh, Jesus, you're right. You're right. You would walk into a room and open your mouth and all of a sudden people would start plotting to kill you. I mean, that's pretty intense. And I know overseas, some of that's still happening with the church that's underground over there, especially in the Muslim world, where, you know, they're they're being plotted to be murdered against constantly. So if somebody doesn't like you because you're irritating them, just just, you know, uh, be encouraged. There's a lot of more room to grow. I haven't been murdered by that yet. And uh, nobody's tried to murder me to my knowledge. So that's, uh, that's encouraging. All right, digressing. So what now? What do we do now? Well, what do you do if you're like, okay, I have people in my life who fit one or more of these five categories? How do you live free from this? How do you not let it corrupt your brain? How do you not let it make you go into bitterness or any of that kind of stuff? Well, number one, and this one's a big one, guys, forgive. This is what I tell myself. Forgive, bless, and move on. Bless? Yes. Bless them. Why? Jesus says, you've heard it say, bless those who bless you and curse those to curse you. But I tell you, bless those who curse you. Why does he say that? Well, because when the blessing of God falls onto somebody who's living in a wrong way, it is very frustrating for them. It is not good. When somebody experiences increase in their business and the business is fundamentally bad, for example, they've got bad principles, there's not integrity happening, it begins to crumble because the blessing of God actually becomes a conviction and a correction to them. So am I sending it out there like some sort of a curse? Absolutely not, because Christian witchcraft is a thing and we can, you know, side with the enemy. Actually, we can we can actually when we talk about somebody like that and we want to curse them and we're so angry at them, what we're doing usually is coming into agreement with how the enemy sees them. And we're actually using our mouths to bind that person. It, it, I, maybe I'll do a podcast about that if you're interested so we can get more into it because right now it sounds kind of spooky. But it's very true. It's a real thing. So when I'm interacting with somebody who just does not like me for one of these five reasons or maybe others that are not on my mind right now, my job is to bless them and to forgive them so that they can encounter the Holy Spirit and become who God wants them to be, right? And I become an ambassador of Christ when I do that by refusing to use the ways of the world and the enemy against them as well. So forgive, bless, and move on. Sometimes you got to grieve, right? Sometimes it's, it's pretty painful. But here's what I want to leave you with. Don't try to win someone back to you that falls into one of these categories. Don't try to win them back to you. You know, Jesus says when you go into a house and, uh, and they don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet. Do an action to yourself that you are not carrying their rejection with you into the next place. This is a big deal, guys. It's a big deal because we are, when we're empathetic people, when we're feelers, when we have emotions, when we're connected to our emotions, it weighs on us, right? And we begin to project onto the next people, well, maybe they will reject me and we're not our true self. So forgive, bless, and move on. Bless those who curse you. That's how you know you've got the Holy Spirit working in your life. When somebody can come against you and come against you in some sort of stupid thing like, you know, making up a lie about the 
length of your hair, for example, if you can, this was such a big moment for me when I realized that I cannot allow myself to be sucked under that weight, that ridiculousness. And I can actually bless that person and pray for them to, to wake up, (laughs) to wake up to who God is. It's actually really freeing for me. Now, am I going to let that person near me? Heck no. Boundaries exist for a reason, you know? So I'm not saying that we forgive, we bless, and then we like invite them to be the Judas at our table. I'm not Jesus. And I don't think you are either, you know, it is a pretty tall order. But what we can do is we can, in our hearts, we can know that we're clean and we're pure and we can do everything that we need to do on our end so that we are not hindering our relationship with Jesus. And we're actually becoming more like him. So you guys, I sincerely hope that none of you have people who don't like you. I really, really hope that, but I know it's not true. I know that it's not, it's not accurate. And I needed a podcast like this years ago, so I'm giving it to you. And if you found this helpful, share this with somebody or send me a message because this one is like, I, I, it would be helpful for me to know that I'm not alone. All right, you guys, until next time, be blessed. You've just listened to another episode of The Art of Being You. My goal is to empower you to embrace the goodness of God over your life and step into that abundant life that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And did I mention that I'd love to connect with you? Find me on Facebook and Instagram at Rachel Wartman and on TikTok at The Rachel Wartman. You can find more resources, including my books and other teachings at rachelwartman.com.